game of the weekend, and there are several candidates out there, but the game of the weekend had to be Tennessee versus Alabama. I have several takes on this. I'm not sure that they will all beautifully segue into one another, so um, follow me here. My balls. The uh, yeah. First of all, I guess we should start with credit to where credit is due. Yeah. Tazi was all over Tennessee going into this one. I okay. So let's go back to the coaching thing we just talked about. There's a segue for Pipes. you. Nick Saban. I like to. I like to tail Saban. I bet Alabama all the time. Right. I pick them all the time because of him. You know, and usually it pays off. Usually it does. Even and it doesn't even matter what the number is. Like he just he just has a way of embarrassing you when you're feeling at your best. And it felt like the bubble was about to burst for Tennessee, but it didn't. And their offense was unstoppable. Josh Heupel certainly got it rolling there. Tennessee does not rush the field. Tennessee fans do not rush the field in Knoxville at Nayland Stadium. What an incredible atmosphere that was. And the second that game ended with the fireworks, I mean, that was a movie. That does not happen if you're not playing against Alabama. And Alabama has been as dominant as they have been for years upon years in this sport. That is what made Saturday so special. I'm not taking anything away from what Tennessee accomplished that day. I'm saying the reason why you cared so much about what they accomplished, the reason they cared so much about what they accomplished was not only that they won, it was really about who they beat. Right. And you've got to be great in order to create that kind of a stage. So I know that everyone out there, and I fall into this sometimes, sick of the Alabama dynasty, but without that dynasty, you don't get moments like that on Saturday. So you got to sometimes take a step back. We all love to watch Alabama get beat, but the only reason why it means something is because of what they've been over the years. 100%. I mean, they're very much the college football equivalent of the Yankees or New England Patriots when Tom was winning there or you name it. But the way they do it is even more dominance because it's the collegiate level. So all the more reason you get the the field rushes. And as, as somebody who took the Vols, Never did I feel very comfortable about fading Nick Saban in the the Crimson Tide. Like, the minute they even went up 28-10, to you know, you're looking for that next stop and next score, and then maybe I start feeling safe. But they were up 28-10 to for not even very long before Bama got right back in that game. But, uh, I mean, just what a back-and-forth, like, affair. I mean, Tennessee... High-powered offense. That dude Hyatt caught, what, five touchdowns? Yeah. Hendon Hooker, I'm a big fan. I don't know about him at the next level or not, but besides that fumble towards the end of the game, he played a really good game. No, Not much defense was played at all. Oh, very little. Scored over 100 points in that game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, defense was, the defense wasn't there. And I think that brings me to the next point, which is, I've heard this a lot out there, like, oh, if that was a Big 12 game, then we wouldn't be talking about how great of a game it was because everybody would be complaining about the lack of defense. And because it's the SEC, we take an offensive showcase and we call it a great game when the same thing happens in the Big 12 constantly and we don't give it that credit. I think the numbers next to their to their names kind of takes care of that argument. Yeah, top it, six teams. Exactly. I mean, yes, we see this stuff all the time. In fact, we saw it. On Saturday, with two Big 12 teams, TCU and Oklahoma State, basically did the same thing. It's just not as cool when it's not two teams that are likely going to be right there at the end when we're deciding who the national champion is. So that's the reason why. We love high-scoring games. It doesn't matter what conference it comes from. We like games 
at the highest level with tiny little digits next to your name. Yes. That's what makes a game feel big. It's not about the conference. The SEC just so happens to be the conference that constantly has teams ranked inside of the top ten, but I don't think it's about the SEC. I think it's about the number next to your name. Absolutely, one well, and the home atmosphere, and Peyton Manning being an alma mater smoking cigars after a big win, and, and a once-proud program that has not been that good in a while. And to see the Vols back up and running, you know, put the word out, we back up in the words of Springer Bell. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I have a team that I can pull for going forward. I like to see a new team kind of break into that top conversation about, you know, New Year's big college playoff football games. And I think the Vols, unless they spit the bid at some point, the offense should take care of that journey, I would think. And then you also think about uh, Alabama, can they get themselves back into a situation wouldn't be surprised but they they've they've shown some some weaknesses oh big time i mean they almost lost lost to texas i've said it many times they would have lost to texas if quinn ewers doesn't go down with that injury they almost lost to texas a&m legitimately at home as 24 and a half point favorites in that game yes they had a backup quarterback but their team looked average they've looked average in multiple occasions and they looked great on offense against tennessee but that's that's Tennessee's weakness. Tennessee did not come into that game with a great defense. Alabama went into that game with us thinking, well, they can at least play defense. And that was the reason I liked Alabama. I figured they could match Tennessee shot for shot on offense. But when it came time to make stops, that Alabama, because of the talent they have, would be able to do it. Right. You know a name that we have not heard enough this year? Will Anderson. I was thinking expecting the same thing. to be a top pick. And I look for him all the time. I mean, he's on the field. It's not like the guy's mysteriously hurt. We haven't been talking about it. He's out there. And he does wreak havoc sometimes, but he's not the game wrecker that you expect a guy like that to be the the, the kind of guy yeah. that we thought coming into the year where their defense could be great because of him and then some of the guys around him. Seriously, I've been wondering the same thing. In fact, I listened to the end of this game on the radio while I was picking a buddy up from the airport, and I'm always, whether I'm watching or listening on the radio, expecting to all of a sudden hear that name, and it just has not been dropped in a long time, so that's crazy. But yeah, early on, like Bama couldn't really figure out what to do with Tennessee, and Tennessee got a couple early stops against Bama, and then Tennessee even had a spot later in the game where somebody was wide open down the field, and they couldn't click it, and and then that's when when the tide came back. But once Bama picked up that fumble and ran it in towards the end of the game, I thought that was, uh, I I mean I didn't think that was all she wrote, but because I bet on Tennessee, I did. Yeah, and and for them to be able to overcome that deal with a missed kick from Bama and then have a short field, go get one themselves, a knuckleball that goes in. I mean, really had like a lot of elements. I I think it's fair to say that was at least top three games of the year because USC, Utah ended up being a heck of a game later on that night as well. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I fell asleep during that one, but it looked like it was pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for the games that most of us, most of us watched uh, that are – uh, easier to pay attention to than some of the ones that go late into the night. Uh, no doubt about it. I think that was the game of the year. Let me give you my wild connection scenario here. Yeah. So this is this is UCF's relation to what happened. Pretty wild ripple effect if you think about it. I don't think Tennessee wins that game on Saturday if not for UCF going unbeaten in 2017. So mm-hmm. follow me here. UCF goes unbeaten in 2017. It makes Scott Frost the most sought-after coach in college football. And then 
his mama comes calling in Nebraska. Well, we got to go get this guy, and we'll pay whatever we need to pay in order to rip you from precious little UCF because you're the hot it guy. So they get Scott Frost. He can't say no. Then Danny White's in a in a in a pickle. He's in a bind. What do I do? I got to go find someone else. He goes and hires Josh Heupel, and then Danny White gets a job at Tennessee. Well, Danny White then has to quickly figure out who's going to be my coach. I want a big name, but we also have these sanctions that are pending on us. Remember, there was like that McDonald's bag stuff that oh, was yeah. going on at Tennessee, so it wasn't easy to just hire one of the bigger names that's out there. So low-hanging fruit, I'll just hire the guy that I just hired at UCF. I know he'll say yes. So they get Josh Heupel. They don't win that game on Saturday without Josh Heupel. He did a masterful job coming up with the scheme to beat Alabama in I'm that on the game. Hype train. I'm on the hype train. So that's that's UCF's claim to victory on Saturday. Uh, it makes sense. He's, he's a darn good coach. I mean, UCF, when you think about it, Gus Malzahn here now, he's legit. And the last two guys, I mean, they've had a pretty nice run of coaches. It's very true. Uh, here, ready for the headline? This is the headline for you when you write the blog out today. Yes. Kravitz claims UCF owns a part of Tennessee's win over Alabama. If it fits within the characters. <laughs> Might have to go UT. <laughs> but that yeah, right UT there. Balls. Click City. Up next, are the Bucks bad? It's time that we consider this a very real possibility. I'll explain more next.